0: We left our previous conversation with Sri Yukteswarji talking about healing and the human body and sickness, just very briefly. Let's go over that paragraph once again, so there's a certain continuity. Here, See the page? This is page 120. Uh, chapter is 12 years in my master's hermitage. Our training just continues and continues. Sri Yukteswarji says... The body is a treacherous friend Give it its due, no more Pain and pleasure are transitory Endure all dualities with calmness While trying at the same time to remove their hold Imagination is the door through which disease As well as healing enters Disbelieve in the reality of sickness even when you are ill, and the unrecognized visitor will flee. We saw even a few pages before Shri Yukteswar ji giving the example of his own time with his guru Lahiri Mahashaya and coming to him saying oh i feel really sick and Lahiri Mahasaya says really oh well, maybe you'll be better tomorrow and then tomorrow he's really all right again he's like oh master you must have given me this blessing and Sri Lahiri Mahasaya playing with him says well who knows maybe tomorrow you might get the disease back again and then tomorrow he gets so you know they play out this fun little game of health and sickness and healing and sickness and that's what he's also talking about over here, especially from the perspective of the body. Um, he says, the body is a treacherous friend. He's using both words here. <laughs> Almost, you can say contradictory, but a friend, of course, because the body enables us to do so much. But treacherous in the sense that in trying, when we try to do things that go beyond the body, which is what all of our spiritual pursuits is about, breaking beyond the limitations of the body, then the body is not too happy. It likes, it wants to draw our attention to it. It wants us to relate to it, which is, of course, the ego's well assigned job. And so he's doing it really well. Give it its due. So it's very important that we respect the body, we take care of it. There's a responsibility here. I mean, the very fact if we are unable to take care of our own bodies, the very thing that we think is us, well, chances are we're not going to be able to take care of anything else with that much more success, be it our family, our friends, our planet, you know. So this, the idea and especially the spiritual perception that we need to awaken through life is, however we work with any one thing, is how in one fashion or the other we end up working with everything and so if i'm unable to take care of my own body chances are in some fashion or the other i'll be unable to fulfill my larger responsibilities and so it goes from anything this is how i feel about this one person chances i'm going to feel the way about many when we talk about relationships especially we talk about the fact that we take at least one relationship that we can perfect that we can work on in fact that's why it's the the close family is such a key part of it because if i can just work on these one or two relationships and learn how to bring in unconditional love bring in acceptance bring in complete you know non-expectations that's the only way then i will actually be able to expand it eventually to love also use the body as Uh, Ah, okay, what am I eating? What am I doing? How clean do I keep it? How fit do I keep it? And then see, okay, if I can do this for my body, I'm not becoming fanatical. If I can do it enough for my body, chances I can transfer that awareness elsewhere as well. So give it its due, no more. Pain and pleasure are transitory, endure all dualities with calmness, all wonderful things, but this is what he's saying, while trying at the same time to remove their hold. Now, this is the key part. A lot of people, when we say, sometimes people ask us also, should I be praying for healing and should I be, you know, asking for my own, uh, you know, that I should overcome something or the other, isn't that sometimes selfish? And... This is, again, a practice that until and unless we're unable to do something for our own selves, not in a selfish way, but in the recognition of I am not this. So I try first to be impartial. I first try to be as calm as I can. That's the first step because you cannot work with uh, any issue if you've already fully identified with it, if you already fear it, if you're trying to repel it, if you're resisting it any issue so first calmness is key because calmness ensures that our energy does not go and envelop itself around that disease that sickness that mental you know attitude that we hold and so when i'm calm i can let go of that i can allow it to just be it has less energy when i'm calm then when i get upset about it then i give it much more energy i build it but Step two is to be able to actually remove its hold that is why we are here We're not here just to you know say okay nothing matters and I'm gonna be just in this space where Nothing else is going to bother me or I won't care about we want to not only create a space of calmness We want to then be able to lift ourselves out That's the upward flow of movement calmness is the is the stilling of of our likes and dislikes, of our chitta, of the emotional energy. But then moving beyond is the lifting up of that still energy. And then we have to look at, okay, how can I go beyond this? How can I remove any hold it has, not just on my body, but essentially on my consciousness? So if any of you are ever dealing with issues and especially looking at it from the perspective of Ganesh, how can i remove the whole that's what Ganesh's role is right to remove those obstacles to remove the the grip those obstacles have on our consciousness that makes us feel we can't go beyond it makes us feel that we're limited by it that we're identified by it and so that's what Sri Ji is recommending for us do you want to say anything
1: i was thinking that Swami Kriyananda recommended like Perceive that issue, perceive that understanding, even your own body as something temporary. So don't get stuck with that, that identification, like, okay, this will pass too. So try to see as something that Triyuteshwar says, transitory, that's something that will come, but also it will go away. And that's almost like a memory We need to keep developing lifetime after lifetime. We are not this issue. We are not this body. Yes, we are responsible, but just for a very short period of time. So that concept will help us tremendously even to face obstacles, because they are not going to be there forever. It's just a very temporary um, phase of your life, very temporary karmic issue. Even if that karma lasts for one lifetime, what's a lifetime in comparison with 8,000 lifetimes we will need to go through? So see your life like just this very little um, period in the vastness of the divine So, play with your own karma, try to pick it up from, you know, different angles so you don't really get stuck and you don't make of that karma, of that uh, disease or or that issue as something that you start, you know, making that as your self-identification. Like, okay, now this is happening, but it will pass so keep repeating that even as a mantra it will pass that too yes, shall pass, too shall pass. <laughs> as yogananda said
0: imagination is the door through which disease as well as healing enters imagination here of course does not mean you know some sort of daydreams uh Ji is talking essentially about the power of the mind everything in our mind is imagination imagination i mean what I want to say to the person, what they should have said to me, how the future will be, what the past was. It's all just in here. It's all just images. That's what the word imagination comes from. When images are put into motion almost, that imagination is created. And so both are sickness. And it's not the imagination that you had right now. It's the state of your mind that you have been holding on to over and over and over and over and over again until it has generated sufficient energy to manifest a disease. And often that very disease is being used in a beneficial way by the Masters, by the Divine, as a means to help us overcome our karma, as a means of purification often. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Paramahansa Yogananda would often say, that there are certain karmas or certain subconscious tendencies that we can't consciously work on and so the body becomes a very very potent means for Beautiful. us to yeah, to become uh, purified of that and every time Narayani and I have even a slight bit of sickness instantly that's how we try to tune into it and we start feeling Okay, where is this issue? What could it represent? How can I participate and cooperate with that process? So that's the first thing. Okay, how do I see this disease? However, at the same time, use that same mental power that has generated that moment, that has brought that particular karma to us, to come out of it. It's exactly the same process we have to do. And then he says, Disbelieve in the reality of the sickness even when you are ill. Now again sometimes people would say to this is this being you know kind of is this not dealing with reality or is it just being a little whimsical or you know with this kind of vague hope um, whereas wouldn't it be better if we just you know here's the disease we work with it and that's why Sri Yukteswarji is giving us both these realities. First work with it with calmness with acceptance but then you're going to have to go beyond Ananda Ma. Said very beautifully, there are no human solutions to human problems. By that, she means you can take any human problem, disease being one of them, and if you deal with them on the human level, you'll only meet it at that very low vibrational level. So, sure, for a little while, the karma may not have gone, the symptoms go away. It's like popping up, you know, I have a stomach ache. I don't know if it's a gastric ulcer or if it's something really bad, but I just want to take a painkiller so that I don't feel the pain. And because I don't feel the pain, I think now the problem is gone. So similarly, we want our issues, our karmas, to go away like that. Just take away the outward symptoms. I just don't want to know that it exists. Very few of us are willing to actually go in there and, you know, like a surgeon, really scrape out those cancerous cells from deep within. And this is what Sri Yukteswarji wants us to do, is like, even while you're going through it, if you can lift yourself beyond it, it may not work in that moment, it may not fix that particular issue, but then the next time some issue comes, you'll already be at a much higher footing. And then the next time, it may not even come at all, because there is no consciousness of disease for it even to be attracted towards. Okay, master numbered many doctors among his disciples. Those who have fettered out the physical laws can easily investigate the science of the soul, he told them. A subtle spiritual mechanism is hidden just behind the bodily structure. Again, a very helpful way for us to look at both where science and spirituality come together. Sri Yukteswar ji is saying over here is that science is almost, you can say, the first half of the process. So our our sense of spirituality is not removed from the physical laws upon which right now we base our lives, but it is taking the physical laws one step further. So it's very important also to understand and that is why uh, Paramahansa Yogananda would often say a lot of the great scientists of our time, whether it's Einstein, whether it's Newton, whether it's Planck, whether it's Tesla, they all got to a point where they almost realized that science doesn't have the answers that they're looking for, because they were looking for truth. Most of them were looking for really, how does this, what is this? How does this work? And so we should have that investigative attitude as well. Okay. First, with what I can do. This is the physical body. I can touch it. I can do this. Okay, this is where the pain is. This is what... And I have to keep going. Now, what's behind this? And what's behind this? What's behind my muscle? What's behind my nose? What's behind my prana? What's behind my thought? What's behind is consciousness. And through that very methodological process, we can break layer after layer after layer. And in fact, those who have gone in a certain direction of studying how does the body work how does the universe work how do the physical laws work if they were open and are open for them moving that one step beyond in fact becomes far easier than many of us. Sri Yukteswarji counseled his students to be living liaisons of western and eastern virtues himself an executive occidental In outer habits, inwardly, he was the spiritual oriental. So that's an interesting thing. Uh, Master saying that his guru Sri Yukteswar was actually outwardly more western in his approach, in his thought process. Of course, as he says, inwardly ever the spiritual oriental. In um, Yoganandaji's few tellings of his past lives, he's talked about, of course, him being William the Conqueror, Um, Ferdinand III in Spain. Uh, So these two very clear lives he's talked about in the West and in both the times he talks about Sri Yukteswar also being with him as his spiritual mentor even in those lifetimes. And so you can see how these masters have brought, have, have found that perfect balance because they recognize that right now this particular lifetime where God has placed us, which country, which tradition, which culture it really has no bearing on on the lifetimes of experiences we have gained over and over and over again. And so our path has often been described by our guru as a perfect blend of eastern and western spiritual values. The practicality of the east as he would say, the pragmatism of the east, of the experimentation and testing of everything that we experience and then of course the spirituality of India where everything is founded first on experience and only then uh, do we kind of give it an outward garb of thought and form. Okay where is he? He praised the progressive resourceful and hygienic habits of the West and the religious ideals which give a centuryed halo to the east again, a perfect blend. Discipline had not been unknown to me. At home, father was strict and ananta often severe. But Sri Yukteswar's training cannot be described as other than drastic. A perfectionist, my guru was hypercritical of his disciples, whether in matters of moment or in the subtle nuances of behavior. When we read the autobiography, we get glimpses of this, you know, Sri Yukteswarji kind of being really hard and you know, always a little bit, but uh, when you just read these words, it tells us uh, that this is really, he's not even scratched the surface in terms of ex- helping us experience or feel what it might have been because it's easy for us to think oh I wonder I wish I was there and I wish I had a guru who would train me this way but it would not have probably been our ability our capability even to handle that kind of I mean we've all been raised in fairly comfortable settings and imagine going to Sri Yukteswarji's ashram and then every as master would say every egoic bone in our body has to be broken uh, before it can be fixed again
1: I was thinking also how much spirituality has changed over the years. Right now, it feels we are compromising sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. we are just bringing the bar lower than it should be. I mean, when you are in the presence of these great ones, they are asking every drop of blood that you have in order to change yourself it takes work it takes extreme drastic discipline you have to follow certain spiritual rules if you really want to transcend your ego nowadays we tend to give tips (laughs) tips for this tips for (laughs) that you know like we just make it so how easy can e- make? yeah <laughs> so easy so comfortable so we can do the least effort you know as possible and i mean that's not what the real spiritual path is all about i mean it just takes to practice the yamas and niyamas to perfection it takes to practice asana and dharana and you know posture and all those things that nowadays we don't even think are important and now we'll keep going through Sri Yukteswar's personality and attitude towards the his daily life and those of his disciples and you can see especially the yamas and niyamas are practiced in his ashram to the highest i mean he he wouldn't allow to pass even the slightest you know negligence so I, I, I would like for all of us to have at least the understanding how serious the true spiritual path is all about and we never should keep lowering the bar but actually keep raising that bar and keep challenging ourselves on a daily basis.
0: Master mentions this quite a few times, even in the if in his life. But Sri Yukteswarji was very particular about our behavior. He said the way we you know conduct ourselves was actually equally important to Sri Yukteswarji, as he says here in the subtle nuances of behavior. Now Sri Yukteswarji gives you know Yogananda has written a few kind of phrases of Sri Yukteswarji's dealing especially with that outward behavior. He says here. Good manners, without sincerity, are like a beautiful, dead lady. (laughs) I mean, just like, there's so much humor in there, but there's also just this, if you're not going to be sincere, and if your being polite is just a facade, it's really like a beautiful woman who's, you know, there's no more life force inside her. And so again, for each of us, we need to be as sincere as we can, but our sincerity then he goes on to say over here straightforwardness without civility is like a surgeon's knife effective but unpleasant again so okay first i have to learn to be sincere but then i'm not just going to be straightforward if i'm not also at the same time civil Which is I'm not polite, I'm not aware, I don't you know take into consideration the moment, the situation, the person and it's like a surgeon's knife sometimes you know being straightforward might be very effective but as he says it's unpleasant and as we were talking about your our imagination our mind is what's creating the disease it's creating healing similarly everything we're putting out our Uh, insincerity or our sincerity our words or our attitudes or our actions all of that I mean it's it's really hard to keep communicating this in a way that just gets stuck in our mind but every one of our actions thoughts intentions and attitudes is what is building the life and the karma that we're going to experience can you imagine I mean it's just it's it's that simple But at the same time it's so hard for us to perceive. I mean if if I really understood every kind of harsh word that I let escape from my mouth is really going to be a harsh experience that I'm going to have to go through. I mean if I can really see that immediate correlation it would uh, I would think at least 20 times before I let certain words but it's like we're so blinded by our own sense of you know that no this won't affect me that i'm beyond this there's a certain grandioseness of our own being that we kind of believe in but on a much lower level than the uh, vastness of the infinite consciousness that is our true nature that it's hard for us to go with these things the way the masters have kind of so easily and simply laid it out before us and finally he says candor with courtesy is helpful and admirable again so he's talking about both these sides again and again the importance of being true to yourself but only and only when it is combined and coupled with politeness civility you know really um, a nobility of the way you bring whatever it is that you want to express outwardly
1: I think this is actually a very good paragraph to use it as our homework for this week and try to study it, to meditate on it, to see how we are daily communicating in that perfect balance where we are truthful but not in the name of truth, we just tell you know people what they should hear because that's the truth and we are here no just to find that middle path that perfect balance that doesn't compromise and yet it shares the truth that it should be also i love this about good manners without sincerity you know he's talking about even hypocrisy you know don't be uh, don't. Even though sometimes we have to fake things but only with the intention to keep redirecting our own energy. So even in faking it, if it has the right spiritual intention, it will benefit you in the process because that means that you are challenging yourself to reply with a smile rather than with a look. So in that sense, it's good, that's what we meant the other day, to fake it, because it's just, it will help us to reinforce a direction rather than the other. And also this paragraph is about, don't go to the extremes in the name of a spirituality. I mean, just find that balance where you know you are practicing both sides Without compromising, I think this is this paragraph is almost like a formula. It's like a, a prescription. Prescription, yeah. yes. <laughs> On how we should just check at the end of the day, did I practice this with all my relationships, with all my interactions? Did I do my best? so anyway i I like this paragraph very much as as something that we should and could study on a daily basis
0: master was apparently satisfied with my spiritual progress for he seldom referred to it in other matters my ears were no strangers to reproof let's i love this my chief offenses were absent-mindedness Intermittent indulgence in sad moods. Non-observance of certain rules of etiquette. And occasional unmethodical ways. (laughs) It's just amazing how, how he's broken his own understanding of what Sri Yukteswarji kind of felt he was lacking. And where Sri Yukteswarji's energy went in trying to correct that was absent-mindedness now this is a very key thing and we saw an episode before where Sri was is explaining to him some verse of a scripture and even though he's listening but part of his mind is elsewhere and immediately Sri Yukteswarji stops and says you are not here mm-hmm. and so absent-mindedness intermittent indulgence in sad moods now we've all we're all prey to those of course you know when the energy drops um, when a little bit of melancholy sets in, so a certain sense of depression, a certain sense of just, oh, you know, what's the point or whatever, certain things haven't worked out the way we want them to. And then non-observance of certain rules of etiquette. And this is what we were just talking about, that behavior. And finally, occasional unmethodical ways. Master talked about how Sri Yukteswarji was such a practical man and in that sense, as he was talking about, he was much more Western in that flow of just, okay, everything has a a very clear flow to it. Even when we do our sadhana, there's a method to it. A lot of people love to just be like, a lot of people talk about, oh, I don't, you know, I don't like technique. I just want to, you know, get into whatever the flow is of today and that's a you know a good thing to have but you see uh Naryani was talking about ganesh be representing the first chakra the first chakra is actually that methodology of practicality and the fact that it comes first and the not and the second is the chakra of flow and so you can't just say no i'm not going to be you know i'm not going to so techniques in many ways can be seen as a first chakra reality because techniques ground us into what it is that we're trying to achieve. Then comes the second chakra's watery energy of saying, okay, now that I have grounded myself, let me see where this takes me. If I don't first ground myself in Hong Seo and go beyond that absent-mindedness and not be able to create that single-pointed concentration, then whatever I do in my meditation really is a daydream of imagination. That's where people are unable to see the difference because they enjoy that. Oh, yeah, I thought I saw lights and I felt really good and you know they're not even sure whether they subconscious or superconscious in that moment because they enjoy that, that's what they would like. so they tend to go in that direction. But each of us have to realize that the spiritual path, the way Swami Kriyananda put it, is both a science and an art. And we have to get both sides of it. There is methodology in how to understand things. There is techniques in how do I approach certain aspects of my life. And uh, don't always try to skip them with the thing of, okay, my intuition is only going to guide me. Even intuition has an actual methodology to it. So just as the world, and this is what Sri Yukteswar was talking before, if you've understood the physical laws, then you can go to the spiritual laws, right? If you've already offered energy to Ganesh, then you can go beyond Ganesh. That is why Ganesh is the gatekeeper of that Kundalini energy there. But he represents the solidity and the practicality of life. And so for each of us, that's an important aspect in our own spiritual journeys, never just kind of dismiss methodology nor be too heavy on methodology where you're just like only it's all about technique because of course that we know for sure it's not about technique technique is only a tool and an aid
1: and that's only as a meditation a spiritual practice but then you know last sunday we gave a satsang on the five um the checklist you know the five things that uh devotee should do in order to you know to put this practical aspect on the of the path under cultural under control in a sense like there are in a sense very very few things we have to do on the path just just to keep ourselves in it <laughs> and don't don't go off track and those are like really you can count in with just the fingers of one hand and of course meditation and seva we spoke about seva satsang study and support to you know god's mission on earth whatever you feel inspired towards that mission so we need to come with strategies in our lives and make sure you you have a plan in this life okay where do i want to go where i'm working towards what's my strategy for the soul do i'm building something that in 20 years from now i'm going to see this wonderful piece of art with myself so so really be like an architect of your own soul start you know Drawing the the plan, the, the,
0: the blueprints,
1: the blueprints <laughs> <laughs> of your amazing building or whatever you want to manifest in the future to come, and make sure you have a strong foundation on the path. This is what Sri Yukteswar really was all about. He was training Yogananda for a specific mission. So Yogananda's uh, spirituality had to be practical, had to be grounded, had to be well understood, had to be perfectly balanced, didn't have to uh, forget certain basic principles on the path. So if Yogananda went under such a rigorous, training um i think we should (laughs) check our lives and see what are we lacking in the process and what we should um, integrating and implementing
0: sri ukteswarji says to master observe how the activities of your father bhagavati are well organized and balanced in every way fun because both of them are disciples of Lahiri Mahasaya. They're actually Guru Bhai's brothers. From transient teachers of my earlier life, I had imbibed a few erroneous lessons, our Guru says. A chela, I was told, need not concern himself strenuously over worldly duties. When I had neglected Or carelessly performed my tasks I was not chastised. Human nature finds such instruction very easy of assimilation. Under master's unsparing rod however I soon recovered from the agreeable delusions of irresponsibility." Yogananda here is talking about this um, you know this is a tendency on the spiritual path especially the more the deeper you go into it that somehow the spiritual uh supersedes the mundane and the daily and the practical and therefore if you're doing this then this is not so important yeah how you take care of things is not so important how you finish a project is not so important because you know it's all about the spirit it's not about the practical reality but imagine if god said oh it's all about the spirit it's not so important how i put you know people together how i put the arms together and the legs together it's not so important whether i you know the eyes actually work or don't work it's not, you know, important if, if gravity is a certain amount. It's not important if the, if the universe is chaotic and a few planets just, you know, are in, not in the right uh, elliptical <laughs> orbit and just crash into each other. When we look at the universe and we look at every aspect of our being, we see such a detailed, intricate, even when things are not so good, there's behind it a very detailed, intricate plan. And so in our own lives, we need to see that. And Yogananda says in his, as when he was growing up, from the few, few teachers that he had on his spiritual journey, he learned kind of this aspect. Oh, as a disciple, as a spiritual seeker, as a chela, you don't need to worry too much about it. So even in that ashram, remember, the Mahamandal in uh, Banaras where he was, it was like, okay, you do your duties, Which means, you know, you just do whatever. So it looks like you're doing seva and that you're busy. But that's about it. But over here, Sri Yukteswarji was so particular that not only you have to do something, you have to do it really well. It needs to be a reflection of your inner life. It needs to be a reflection of the refinement of your consciousness. And a lot of... you know, We can learn a lot about ourselves by how we do the little things in life, how we do our projects, how we interact with people, how we clean our homes, how we, you know, just think about the realities of the and responsibilities that we have. And if there's part of us that feels, I want to be done with this quickly, Um, this is not so important, I can't believe I have to do this, chances are that we'll have similar thoughts in our spiritual life. How can I be done with this quickly? Isn't that like, how can I, you know, get through my meditation fast? And when can I get all those, you know, magical kind of experiences easily? You know, do I really have to go through all of this? And is this really that important? And as we do that outwardly, we tend to do that inwardly as well. So pay attention to that aspect, especially try your best to fulfill your responsibilities as beautifully as you can. And you will see that not to be a hindrance on the spiritual path. In fact, it to be a great, great support for you.
1: In fact, that's the reason why it's so important to see each activity as an act of self offering. I mean, it has nothing to do in a sense about the activity in itself but for whom are we doing this Mm. are we doing this for our guru for god just as an act i feel this is the real act of gratitude we should express not just about this about that but gratitude for life itself to be given a chance to keep perfecting ourselves and if through that activity I'm given I'm being given a chance I'm being given a chance to improve myself I should be so grateful for that opportunity because I'm doing it for both to improve myself and as an act of offering myself to the Divine who has placed me there and who has choose that specific activity to change myself. So, as you see, if we perceive and we give that spiritual weight that each activity deserves, believe me, I think just within one day, if we add with that consciousness, there is a potential to really make a very quick spiritual progress and really love our life just as it is
0: i like this human nature finds such instruction very easy of assimilation which means oh you don't have to do this well You know this is not important and it's very easy for us to take that and say oh this is that works for me if i don't have to do something well right now we're uh we have you know 200 or more of our gurubhais brothers and sisters uh, across india doing this seva of calling people and informing them about this event change that uh, we're organizing september 5th and you can just see the simple act of being able to call people and share with them, you know, the joy of coming together and the share with them the potentials for transformation that this event may hold for them. It's just we've got this WhatsApp group and every time it's like, oh, I did these many calls and I did those many calls. You can see the joy of something so simple and mundane. And on one hand, it would be like, oh, God, I have to make all these calls today. Or on the other hand, it's like, wow, I have to make all these calls today. And how well can I do it? And how wonderfully can I transmit and share this vibration with people? How can I today be a channel for the divine, for this one person I'm going to call? I wonder who all are going to be on my list to call and what they are going to offer me. I mean, there's so many ways to make even something as simple as making phone calls such a adventurous remember last time master was talking about in the autobiography that the only reason we are unable to you know achieve the spiritual states that we're looking for is because we're not adventurous enough in our spirituality this is that adventure uh, kind of creating attitude wow i wonder and wow if i can do this really well i wonder how well i can do this i wonder how beautifully i can end this particular activity And if we can start seeing this in simple things and perhaps we can't do it throughout the day and that is why Seva is such an important thing because it's like, okay, it's a small activity, it's a limited activity, it's a contained activity. At least let me do this really well. I may not yet be able to figure out how to do everything in my life well, my work, my family, my interactions, how I speak, how I sit, how I look, but this one hour, this half an hour, this one activity, I'm going to give it my all and that's the you could say the power of seva is because it, it's, the, it's the way we can say, okay, this is for God, even though everything is for God. But at least when we say this is for God, we're able to bring forth from ourselves, of ourselves, that divine power. That is what Yogananda is talking about. It has to manifest in everything we do. All right, we are almost there our computer has gone off I have no idea if this is live anymore but well such is life isn't it we don't know what's going on (laughs) but we're going to march forward anyway I hope you guys have a wonderful time with Lord Ganesh today and you really you know invite him in, see and work on yourself that's that's the point here The point is not that Ganesh wants to be idolized and worshiped and you know he doesn't i don't think Ganesh particularly is saying wow look at it now all these people are going to be singing my name no he's like who can i help who can i help in this time here's this one time where people are most open to me who can i help so call on his help really and don't just make it just another superficial festival of wonderful joy which is also itself a very uplifting energy but okay how can Lord Ganesh really come into my life and how can this mean
1: something um, as a spiritual step for us